Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Mr. Brooks? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello, I keep hearing um, random cheering outside, and I think there's like basketball courts in my complex, uh-huh. and every once in a while, I don't know how this happens, but it's like they have unofficial like tournaments out there, and like the parking lot is full of cars, and there's people everywhere, and I don't know if they set it up with the complex or if it's just people who like know where free courts are around town, but I think that there's some sort of basketball game because I keep hearing cheering. And I keep going like, what, what is that? Do I have a radio on? So it's not, I don't think it'll be picked up at all. Cause it's very faint. It's just like, I, I mean, I hear haven't it, heard anything. Yeah. So yeah. Either that or somebody is just doing something really good and getting cheered on. I don't know. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You remember that one time that you had like what was it like a holiday dinner and we were like <laughs> there was like 10 of us like watching you cook from like your little like cutout window in your kitchen. <laughs> yes, I I that was the most ambitious thing I've ever done in my life. I had a little <laughs> dinner party and um it was really yes, fun. It, it was, was fun. fun, but it's like it's so it's so stressful to me to be responsible for everybody's good time that yeah. I was just like, I got everything has to be perfect. It was fun. That was a fun time, and yeah, we like I like rearranged my apartment so I could fit a big table in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We and were that, all like watching you. You were like, I feel like I'm in a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was fun. Yes. How are yeah. you? I'm good, a little tired, kind of just, you know, um, yesterday I was like, I'm going to do all this stuff. Like it was like one of those things where I got a burst of energy and then I did like one of the three things that I was going to do. And so, yeah. (laughs) so today I'm like, okay, I'm like, I need to do my review for school. Like it's a quiz and, um, which would probably only take me like 45 minutes, but it's still like, I have to sit down, like block out my time, make sure that nothing else distracts me. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, or else I have to do it again, which is fine. But like, who really wants to spend all that time on a quiz and then like have to do it again and feel the same anxiety of it? Like it sucks, you know? That's not fun. And I have to write a paper and I... I'm just thinking about the stuff that I have to do and I wanted to vacuum and it's just like vacuuming is probably not going to get done like it never does. <laughs> no, I, I love being organized, but I hate cleaning. Like yeah. vacuuming and dusting are my most loathed tasks. Yeah. And then doing the dishes. And the only reason I do the dishes is because I literally have to, but like vacuuming and dusting, I put that off so yeah. long. Yeah, I get it. It's like, I actually dusted yesterday, which is amazing for me, but I think I did like a half-ass job because I'm realizing that I didn't even do like my toy, like my toy shelves. Like I just, I just did like under the TV and I was like, that's good enough. (laughs) 
Yeah. I do that too. Sometimes I'll dust around things, which sort of defeats yes. the purpose of dusting, especially if like the light hits it just right and you see a circle of dust and then no dust and then yeah. Yeah, like I didn't even remove like my books to dust underneath. I was like just going to do a little bit on top and around yeah. and that's going to help. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I do that too. Like I have uh, cathedral ceilings and there's some cobwebs up up high yeah. that I if I like stood on a ladder, I could probably get them, but I just think or I could just leave them. <laughs> yeah. No, there's been a dead um, spider hanging on one of my walls for like probably two or three months now, and I just haven't done anything with it. This has been pandemic cleaning hour with Samantha <laughs> and Lauren. Yeah, no, when I was growing up, my mom was so fastidious. Like she would make my brother Justin and I clean the baseboards and that was just like torture i don't know if your mom ever Same. made you do that yeah, but no, my mom was very like uptight about the yeah like work. she'd yeah. be like okay dust the baseboards and then so you'd have to go and like dusting the baseboards is so awkward you know i, know. I mean even as a young 10 year old in the prime of my health i still was like oh i have to bend over and dust these baseboards <laughs> i know or you can crawl along the floor but that's not that much better and then when you're done you're like finally that's done and then she'd be like okay now go dust the shelves and you'd be like what is child are you just slave labor this is awful <laughs> i know yeah i know my mom would be the type where she'd be like okay i'm gonna come and check on you but checking on me really means i'm gonna check on how you're doing and then yeah if you don't do it right yeah I'm gonna show you how to do it angrily <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yeah and like vacuuming the stairs i hated like vacuuming the stairs i always wish that she would give justin that chore but she kind of switched on and off you know Mm -hmm. and but then when I moved into this apartment and I have stairs I got the brilliant idea of buying a hand vac and now it's not so bad I mean I don't vacuum that often but when I do I just use a hand vac and that's so much easier than using a regular vacuum yep yeah. anyway I think I need to get a hand vac honestly because the vacuum I had it like the hose like doesn't work so oh yeah yeah it's like the rest of it works but it's like okay so i can't get into the little like nooks and crannies and there's like you know like yeah pieces of chips or whatever i decide to eat like <laughs> you know yeah i know how that <laughs> goes floor, like yeah okay. mike mike lives um his house isn't like basically like in a clearing in some woods so he gets some big spiders every once in a while and he has a genius idea he got a little hand vac and he just like hand vacs them up and then seals it for a little while because how do you like like they're like wolf spiders you know and how oh, do you no. deal with those you like squishing them is like out of the question and wolf spiders like jump so it's just not so anyway so so i've started that as well with my hand vac i don't get if i get okay if there's a spider, I don't get big spiders because I don't live by the woods. If there's a spider, I, I find a way to kill it because I don't want a living spider in anywhere in my apartment. But if it's like another bug, sometimes I'll just like use my hand back and then seal it for a couple days, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty genius, I think. Uh, but like, yeah, like I get a lot of stink bugs. Release in the yeah. Like yeah. I I uh, do not squish them either because that's a big no-no. So enough about bugs. Uh, we should do our mini topic. <laughs> All right. 
Do you want to go first or shall I go first? Oh, why don't you go you first? You go first. Oh, me? What? You want me to go first? So <laughs> our mini topic is just like thrillers that we enjoy. My first one is funny games. Have you ever seen that? No, but I've heard that it's really good. Is that that's it's, with Naomi? Um, is that with Tim? Tim, what's his name? Roth. Tim. 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 Yes, Tim Roth and Naomi Tim, Watts. Tim Roth. And um, Michael. I do Pitt, like Tim Roth a lot. I believe is his name. Michael Pitt. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Blonde kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, that's right. So I really liked Funny Games, but it is intense, and it's a movie that probably might surprise you that I liked so much. But it's when I watched it, I thought this movie is outstanding because there is some there are some scenes that are so intense and unrelenting because there's not like there's one big part in the middle where a lot of intensity is happening and there's no music. All you can hear is the natural sound effects of the scene of them like struggling. Oh shit. And it made me so uncomfortable but also like I think it was genius. I really liked it. And um and then after I saw it uh throughout the course of a couple of years I mentioned it to some people like, "Oh, you know what surprised me? Funny Games." And I learned that it's a shot for shot remake of I think it's an Austrian movie, but the director did them both. Like the same director did them both. He just did Funny Games in an American setting with American actors as a shot for shot remake. It's kind of weird when they do that. Cause yeah. I, knew, I knew that that was what had happened, but I was like, why? Like you, yeah. It's like, like they did that for, um, death at a funeral. Did you ever see that one? There's like the British one. And then they made it into like an American version. And I, I was like, I knew they did that, the but movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I remember, I can't, I remember liking them. I don't remember which one I liked more. I remember thinking they were funny, but I think I probably would have liked the British one a little bit more just because it's like, it's like made for British humor. Yeah. You know what I no, mean? I, yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I mean, I, I, I sort of, it doesn't dampen how much I like funny games, mm-hmm. but it also the like, original? yeah, I don't really, ha- I don't have a desire to necessarily see the original Because if it's a shot-for-shot remake, it doesn't, like, interest me. But I do wonder, like, why. I sort of don't mind because it's the same filmmaker and he can do whatever he wants with his art. If it was somebody else unattached to him who just did it, I'd think that was a little weird. But since he was, like, the puppeteer on both of them, I... I respect it still, but I recommend it. It's, I, I haven't watched it in a very long time. Like I only saw it the one time because it it was very intense. So I'm curious if it like, will elicit the same response from me because I sort of know what's happening, but I, as a thrill, as far as thriller go, thrillers go, it's, uh, it's very violent and it's not a happy movie, but it's, I thought it was really well made just the ambiance of the movie and but a lot of the things that happen in it are not like pleasant to watch so yeah it's that's kind of been the thing that's like stopped me from watching it is that I'm like is this gonna be too intense for me like am I not because I don't like body horror so I don't think like (sighs) I don't like body horror either and I don't think that aspect of it is any worse than probably some um scary movies you've seen like I think you probably have a higher tolerance than I would but right. from like a filmmaking standpoint, I just, I, I really, 
enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was, it was uncomfortable, but I think it was very well, very well done in my opinion. So I'm going to have yeah. to check it out because I've been wanting to see it and I've just been like, something's been, you know, stopping me from, so I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I've never seen, um, I've never seen Saw or Hostel, but in my head, okay. those seem, those movies seem like they'd be more body horror than funny games like funny games was more like um the first violent it's violent but it's more psychological with violence than like if i remember correctly i mean it's it's still gross and gory but I, i i don't think that it's quite the same in like a body horror element Right. It's I could not be like wrong. torture porn or whatever. Yeah, no, it's not that. Right. And I could be wrong because like I said, it's been a long time, but I feel like I would remember if it was more like torture right. torture porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the first saw is actually not that uh violent. Okay. Like, like not as much as you would think. Okay. I went in it going like this is going to be gross, this is going to be nasty, and I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And it was definitely more psychological. It was it was very like it was a lot of like melodrama with the way that the actors acted where you're like okay calm down here <laughs> like uh, okay Lucci, like you know it's like but um it was still i mean i've seen it twice i've liked it both times so you yeah. know but that's that's not one of my mini topic things so yeah no to- yeah anyway so my first one is zodiac Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, the David Fincher film, mm-hmm. who I have realized that after I see Mank, I will have seen every David Fincher film ever. Oh, wow. Yes. You're a Fincher fan. <laughs> I am a huge David Fincher fan. Yes, I have realized this over the past year. I'm like, I mean, I've always known that I really liked him, but then when I was like, well, he's done like a lot of like music videos, but I'm not counting those because they're like music videos, you know? So, well, I think music video (laughs) crews would argue. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) You've seen all of his motion pictures, major motion. Right, right. Exactly. Um, But Zodiac is about the Zodiac killer. And um, it is, I think that people think maybe that it's a little bit slow going, And there are certain parts where it is, but I also think that it's probably like, I have a hard time watching that movie alone because it freaks me out. And I watch horror movies alone all the time. Yeah. That surprises me that that is the one that bothers you, but maybe because it's like so realistic. Yeah. I mean, so it's a true story. Mm -hmm. I never caught the guy. He's more than likely probably dead by now because this happened in like this like i think late 60s early 70s so this was a long time ago um but there is a scene where jake gyllenhaal is in the basement with this guy and it's like you know exactly what i'm talking about it is probably the most tense scene i've ever seen in any movie like and it's so simple and it's so good but there's like like he can hear someone walking in the like room above yeah them. yeah and he thinks they're alone in the house and i can't remember like i haven't seen this movie in a while so i can't remember like what brought them there but i knew it was something about dealing with the zodiac yeah obviously. they thought there was a guy there who um the guy that lived at the house like 
I think he created the posters for the cinema he used to work at and the handwriting matched or some something like that. Oh. And so Jake Gyllenhaal went to check it out and he's talking to the guy and the guy that lives there tells him they're alone in the house and then takes him, he takes him down to the basement to show him his old like film reel collection from the theater. Right. And when he hears the footsteps, he says, are you sure we're not alone? And then the guy just like acts really creepy and, and yeah, and it's so, and home, it's like gets so out of the <laughs> tense. Yeah, yeah. It's so tense. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you sure we're alone? And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. And you're just like, ah, nope, yeah. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he books it the fuck out of there. But it's just so like, though I so do well done. <laughs> if I was Jake Gyllenhaal, I would not go in that guy's basement to oh, begin with. <laughs> I don't think but, I'd go in the guy's house. I'd yeah. be like, can I meet you in a public place where there's a lot of people? Okay, thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Like the first time I saw that's a, actually like that's a, a good example of a scene that I wish I could go back in time and see again for the first time because the first time yes. I saw it, it gave me <laughs> chills. And then subsequent times after that, not quite so much, but I still think it's a really cool scene. Like yeah. I think it, you know, like it's still it's creepy. Like I agree with you, it's still creepy. But I just like the feeling of watching it for the first time. Yeah, I, you know, like it, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And there's That's- another scene in that movie where the two, the couple is like relaxing under a tree, and she's like, "There's a man watching us." He's taking mm. pictures. You know that scene? Oh man, yeah. that scene is also very intense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So I, um, I want to bring up, which I'm going to bring up later as we discuss Mr. Brooks, but there is another David Fincher film that I want to talk about, but it has, I relate it to Mr. Brooks. So I'm going to mention it. When, okay. Like we'll get there. <laughs> okay. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. I guess you could call yourself a Fincherian. <laughs> I could. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a big David Fincher fan. I think he is, I think like I've never seen any movie of his that I didn't like, you know, yeah. did he do At seven? A little bit. What was it? Seven. seven? That's what, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. And then what I know, I know I've seen his movies, but what else has he done that I can't he did think right Fight now? Club, Gone okay. Girl, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Um, he did now I'm blanking. Yeah, no, that's that's enough. I yeah. knew I knew that there was things, but anyway, no, that's, that's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your next one? Um, my next one is The Gift. Okay. With Jason Bateman. Have you ever seen it? I have not, but I heard it's not that great. Well, I disagree because I think it was surprisingly good. Um, is that with Joel Edgerton too? Yes. Okay. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Because I don't think it's like, it shouldn't win any awards or anything. Right. But it surprised me. Um, There's elements of some ridiculousness like that happens between Joel Edgerton and Jason Bateman's wife. Who's the the woman in it? I knew you were going to ask. And I I can say like she was in like Vicky Christina Barcelona and Rebecca Hall. Yes. Rebecca Hall. Okay. Yes. I just, I don't know. I think it was, it was surprisingly entertaining and surprisingly good. And there's some twists and turns in it that I didn't really see coming. And it's, um, it's a very simple movie and I, I like that about it. Um, it's, uh, it's, there's nothing 
like supernatural about it. There's nothing that is, I don't know, it seems within the realm of possibility. Most of the stuff, like I said, there's some, there's a little bit of ridiculousness at the end that happens, but um, I don't know. I think it's, it's good. I think it's underrated, honestly. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I had always been curious about that one because I like Jason Bateman. And Joel Edgerton's great too. I mean, I've, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen any of his or I didn't enjoy his performance. Um, but I've just heard it wasn't that good. So I never watched it. You yeah. Know? I never would have seen it, but my mom had it and I watched it with her one night randomly and it surprised me. So I think if you go in probably with the expectation that, you know, okay, I'm watching a movie. What, who knows if I'm going to like it or not. I think it, you know, you'll be entertained. So right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. I would say it's worth watching if you like thrillers. I do like thrillers. Yeah. Like being thrilled. <laughs> um, I keep looking at my super blonde hair and it's driving me nuts. I think it looks nice. <laughs> I no longer have pink hair because it turns out I hated it. <laughs> anyway. So I'm going to do in the same vein of um, David Fincher, and I'm going to talk about the show Mindhunter. Oh. Yeah. So he did Mindhunter too, and I know it's not a movie, but I don't care because it's a great show, and I'm so, so <laughs> disappointed that they're not having a third season. It's um, about these uh, two men who are going around the United States and they're interviewing serial killers and they are basically the people that coined the term for serial killer um, because the first was called like sequence killer and they that's where I started really getting into Edmund Kemper you know and as um, one does as one does right and I'm (laughs) gonna actually write a paper about him in my psychology class (laughs) nice so um but the guy that plays him is named Cameron Britton, and he is um, fantastic. He's a fantastic actor. He was in the show Manhunt, too, about Richard Jewell, um, who, like, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Richard Jewell? Was he involved? Like, he saved people from the Atlanta City, Atlanta bomb yeah, like there, the Olympics. there was a bomb going on. It was like at the Olympics, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all these, like the, basically the news put him on, like they were like, this guy's totally guilty. He did it. He was the one that noticed it. So he does a really great job. And he's also in the Umbrella Academy, which I didn't actually like and I would not recommend, but other people liked it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, there was um, a picture I saw of a guy with like a fish tank for a head and that was enough for me not to ever watch it ever. Yeah, I, the thing about that show is that I liked pretty much about three of the characters and there was like maybe 15 of them. Oh, that's a huge cast. Yeah, I like, it was a big cast and I could not give a shit what happened to half of them or like, you know, like it was like one of those things where, and there was this one character in particular named Luther and he had the body of like a gorilla and like i thought he was the most boring character ever like anytime he came on the screen he never changed his expression i don't even know the actor's name i don't care to know his name he just like 
every time he came on the screen, I'm just like, this guy, this fucking guy. What? Like, show me Was he a guy Rilla? He was a guy Rilla. (laughs) Anyway, so, so anyway, Mindhunter is very good. And the cast like guy and gorilla. Guy gorilla. Sorry, I'm sorry. Mindhunter. Yeah. (laughs) The casting that they have, especially for the serial killers, like, the actor that they chose for David Berkowitz. Um, seriously, do yourself a favor, like there are listeners and you, Sam, if you want, but look him up and see how well they did at the makeup on this guy compared to the actual person. It's oh, okay. Like it's like it's unbelievable. Like it's really well done. It so it's a very tense show. It's a very tense show, and I would highly recommend that show for anyone i know a couple of people who thought it was a little slow but it's it's very david fincher you know like if you're used to his stuff you like his stuff you're probably gonna like mindhunter yeah no i i think i'm pretty sure mike watched season one and he recommended it to me and you've recommended it to me but i'm just like i don't know it seems like it might be too intense for me so i have never like actually seriously entertain the notion of watching it but i am curious about it because obviously i respect both of your opinions so well it's, who knows, it's never but. um i mean you never see any like violent well like i wouldn't say that that's not totally true um it's more like what they talk about with the serial killers that will make you uncomfortable you know oh, okay like yeah. um one of them is jerry brudos who I can't remember what his little like moniker was, but he was obsessed with shoes. And so they brought him like shoes. a shoe, like a woman's shoe. They brought uh-huh. him a woman's shoe and he was like masturbating with a shoe like in front of them. They, you don't see anything, but it's very much implied that he is. So like in the interrogation room. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it would be too intense for you to be honest. Yeah. I think it's I think it's really good. I think it's very good. And I absolutely love Jonathan Groff. I think he's a fantastic actor and Anna Torv is in it and she's amazing too. And she's probably one of my favorite characters. And um yeah, so I was really I was really looking forward to seeing because they got like a new boss in the second season. But there was something about him where you're like, mm, you know what I mean? Where you're like, there's something shady about this guy. Can't put my finger on it. And I was looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with him. And then they had like this whole thing where one of the guys or the guy's son, Bill Tench, who's like not Jonathan Groff's character, but his partner, he, something like is going on with his son where you're like maybe the son is a psychopath but you don't ever find out because you're gonna supposed to find out in the third season and they canceled it i was like oh no what (laughs) you should look up and see because i used to watch this show called the last man on earth was will forte Uh and i really liked it and they ended the series on a cliffhanger because it got canceled as well and i just looked up i just like did a google search and i found an interview with him will forte and he said what was gonna happen yeah and that like put me at peace like i was like okay i'm i feel okay i wish there was more but 
he explained what was supposed to happen before it got canceled. So maybe, maybe there's something out there where somebody did an interview and said, this was where the show was going, you know? <laughs> yeah. I should, I should look it up. Cause yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it was very like intriguing and you really want to know. I mean, cause it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's your next one? Um, my next one is Fargo, which. Okay. Is- the movie. The movie, the yes. I've seen the first season of the show, and that's good too, but the movie is what I'm talking about. It's just genius. Like, it's it's a great movie. Great performances. Um, I I recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. I love the Coen brothers anyway, um, but I just re- I recommend it. Highly recommend it to anyone. Uh, it's, it's so good. It is good. Yeah. yeah. The most thing I remember is... Um, as Peter Stormare putting the guy through the wood chipper. Yeah, that's probably like <laughs> probably the most iconic yeah. thing. But yeah, no, Francis McDormand is two thumbs up. Yeah. Um, and William H. Macy is so good. And it's I don't know, it's it had me fooled for a long time that it was actually based on real events, but that's just like a Coen Brothers little like rib on the audience. It's not actually based on real events. Right. And there was, there's a documentary about a, I think a Japanese woman who came looking for the money and she ended up, she passed away. Um, Wait, because, did she die while trying to find the money? Yeah. I think it was like frostbite because it's, you oh. know, she was out looking for it. I, I think if I remember correctly, I wasn't planning on talking about that aspect so I didn't look it up and confirm but uh anyway it's just it's just such a good movie and and all the characters are really rich and I recommend it if anybody hasn't watched it watch it I liked it too Mm -hmm. yeah from what I remember I saw it years and years ago but I remember liking it for sure yeah and the show was okay I I um the show was a little bit heavy like heavier I mean, the movie's heavy but the movie is like two hours of heaviness but the show is just like hours and hours of heaviness right so it's a little bit of a different atmosphere and while i i thought the show was enjoyable and the performances in the show are really great um i think the like the movie is far superior still isn't the movie like it's kind of like a dark comedy though isn't it yes. a little bit mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah that's what i remember too mm-hmm um yeah i like yeah that's a good and one like a lot of the coen brothers movies are dark comedies so right yeah i love dark, dark comedy <laughs> the cleverness yeah the cleverness okay my next one is the frozen ground it's oh. with um john cusack and nicholas cage and it's about a serial killer <laughs> in uh, Alaska named Robert Hansen. It's a true story. Oh, wow. Um, it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it was decent enough where it kept me interested. And I wanted to know what happened. It was a little over the top, I felt like. But the Robert Hansen story is so interesting because he was, like, murdering all these, like, sex workers and like a of Jack course, the Ripper type thing. Yeah, but like way more, I think. But he was a horrible, sadistic person where he would like tie them up and then he'd assault them and like sexually assault them and then like release them into the woods, into like the forest. 
And as they're running away from him, he would shoot and kill them. Oh my gosh. So he'd like give them a hope that they were free. And then he'd be like, just kidding. And uh, Vanessa Hudgens was in it too, which I was kind of surprised about, but she actually did a pretty decent performance and she played like a sex worker. Um, I think she's an okay actress because in the movie Beastly, she did pretty good. Yeah, I like her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like yeah. her stuff. I, and there was a movie called Rock Show or something, like a Disney, like, made-for-TV little movie that my friend, my friend, my niece really liked, and I watched it with her. I can't remember what it was called, like, Rock Show or something. Anyway, and it was actually a pretty fun movie, and she did a good job in that as well. So I think yeah, she's... yeah. I think she's a good actress who unfortunately got her start in high school musical. So she's got that like cloud over her head forever, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, Zach Efron was able to get out from under it, but that was with a lot of time and a lot of work to get yeah. there, you know? And I think it might, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to bring like sexism into it, but I think it might be easier for men because men don't have to keep a squeaky clean image to be famous. Well, yeah, and she like she had all those like scandals where she was like yeah. sending nude photos and which everyone was blaming her, but it's like, okay, what about the person who released the photos that yeah. she sent? Like a private message. She wasn't posting it on Instagram. She wasn't like right. you know, like you know, it, it's like it's like and I think not, women I think wrong women suffer more for stuff like that than men yeah. would. And that's just, I think that's like just sort of how it is. And it shouldn't be that way. But I think that unfortunately, like my, look at Miley Cyrus, like she's had to go through, I think she's super talented, but she's had to go through all kinds of things to shake her Disney image. And every time yeah. she does something, people always tie it back to like her Disney roots and I think that that's not fair and I think that maybe Vanessa Hudgens could have been sort of trapped under that same umbrella to a certain extent you know no I I agree big time I I think you know it's yeah I agree big time anyway Anyway, I like her so she so um and it's about the guy that's trying to catch Robert Hansen or trying to figure out who it is but he was like a beloved member of the community. People were like, this guy's so great. He's such a great guy. And Chamber so, of Commerce Man of the Year. Whatever. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, so he's like this great guy and, and everyone loves him. But he's, you know, he's picking up these prostitutes and he's or sex workers i really don't i like trying to use like the pc term like these sex workers and then fucking murdering them so it's like not a great guy and yeah. who plays is john cusack the serial killer or yeah and then yeah. and nick cage is the um the like guy that the cop okay yeah so i think if they were gonna do i i like nick cage to a certain point there are movies that i like of him's but I feel like as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little bit more ridiculous. Like the, his days of like winning yeah. Oscars is kind of over. You know what I mean? Yeah. The um, movie, his, his movies used to be like kind of fun, ridiculous, but now they're just kind of like weird, ridiculous. Yeah. And you get yeah. like almost like a secondhand embarrassment from like watching him. Like <laughs> there's actually a scene in Community where one of the characters, Abed, gets into a class where he's studying Nick Cage and he like has a meltdown and like acts like Nick Cage in front of this whole class and it's 
the bizarrest weirdest and like he you can see that he's like filled with like shame after and so you're like watching him and you're like oh no don't don't do this don't do this and it's but it's so spot on also to who Nick Cage is you know that you're like okay so this is like really accurate but also very embarrassing at the same time you know yeah so and I think if he wasn't in it and they had someone who was maybe a more serious actor it would have been a little bit better but um overall I mean I enjoyed it I I watched the whole thing and I was like okay that was pretty good and I'd known about Robert Hansen before so I know like I knew what a violent and aggressive and sadistic person he was but it's it's just it's a it's a sad story you know yeah it sounds sad especially since I think that a lot of the women were indigenous women or native women and um that that that's like there's a reoccurring theme in life where indigenous women who are sex workers get killed and no one gives a shit and it's just like it's just it's it's like the sad truth the sad reality of our world you know mm-hmm. so I, I think it, it it kind of makes a, a reference to that where it's like you know, these are still women, they're still people, and, like, they still deserve to have justice for their deaths, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you just made me think of a movie called Wind River, and actually Elizabeth Olsen is in it, I forgot about that, but it's a great movie, and it's intense, but it's a great movie, and I would recommend it 100%, I think you would, I think you would like it, and I think I would recommend it to listeners too, but there's, um, there is a very intense rape scene in it that um, holds me back from recommending it to a lot of people. Like at work once, I was talking to somebody who sat near me and and I wanted to recommend it because we were talking about movies and I just watched it, but I held back because there's, there is like a, a rape scene that's kind of hard to watch. So it reminds me of what you say, like um, indigenous people who are sometimes doubly marginalized you know and it's it's really it's it's sad that it's happens you know yeah and it is mm-hmm. it's really messed up it's there there luckily are are no like rape scenes in the in the frozen ground i mean everything's implied you know right yeah but um john cusack is creepy as him he's yeah good. yeah i'm i'm a cusack fan i like him i am a lot. too yeah in general in general yeah yeah anyway do you have yeah. any more um, I think we should get to the movie unless you have one that you really want to talk about. No, I think I'm yeah. good. All right. Okay. Let's get to the movie. So what did you think of the movie? <laughs> this movie is so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a scale of one to 10, it's like a 15. And I, so I watched it with Mike and Mike wait, 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 said, so did you like it though? I didn't really like it, but I, I like, it's not a movie where I passionately hate like Holy Motors by any means. It's (laughs) just, it's a movie that just, it seems like in it, it's like a movie. I think it came out in like April of the year it came out and it seems like an April movie. Like here's a movie (laughs) we want to do something on a Saturday night. So let's go see a movie. Mr. Brooks is playing at seven 10. Let's go see it. And then you walk out of the theater and you're like, what did we just watch? And then you never think about it again. 
And so it's, I don't hate it, but I didn't particularly think it was a great movie. And I didn't think it was a I had a feeling that's, that's how you're going to I think there's a lot of weird stuff in it. Um, oh, man. I, think I have so many notes. Well, first of all, I, like, I have so many notes. I have more notes than, like, any movie, I think. Which is funny, because I've seen this movie a million times. <laughs> And every time I, the last few times I've watched it, I've watched it with people who've already seen it. And the entire time I was like, let me tell you everything that's wrong with this movie. Well, I watched it with Mike and afterwards Mike said, what did you say Lauren likes this movie? And I said, I can't really remember if she, she talks about it all the time, but I don't remember if she likes it or doesn't like it. And it's just so ridiculous it's i like it but i recognize it has a lot of problems (laughs) yeah i there there are a lot of things about it i don't like and i'll get into that as we as we yeah yeah so um yeah i don't i don't even know where to start because there's so many things i want to say and but so i you know do you want to say like what you think of the movie i know you've already said you like it but you know that there's problems but is there anything you're itching to say right off the bat before we get into like the meat (laughs) um well there are a cup there's a subplot in it that i hated so much and i thought was the most pointless subplot ever oh is it the daughter no the daughter that one was the divorce is it the divorce no, it's oh. the, the extra serial killer, the hangman. Oh, yeah, that's not even like I agree, it's but like not I even think part like, of the movie. Like the scenes where we have to endure Demi Moore talking to her divorce lawyer are interminable. I couldn't oh my care God. less. I like it's okay. like it's like the divorce lawyer. Like, what can we do to delay this movie even further? Hello. Oh, hey, hey, I'm your extraneous character divorce lawyer who has no need to be in this movie. And I just want to tell you the demands your ex-husband. Like, it's so stupid. I know. I know that. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Anyway, sorry, the hangman is what you were saying. No. Okay. So actually, I want to start out by saying um, I I do like this movie. Actually, I love this movie. I'm not going to lie. I love this movie. (laughs) However... There, I would. (laughs) Okay, you're making me laugh. (laughs) I like that you're loud and proud. (laughs) I love it. I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I love it. And um, I think there's a big reason why I love it that doesn't have to necessarily do with the plot. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'll get into it later. I'll get into it when it feels right. Um, (laughs) But one of the biggest issues I have, and um, maybe this is me just being petty, but I thought that Demi Moore in this role was garbage. (laughs) I, like, first of all, the movies that I've seen her in, which I think are, like, approximately, like, three movies. I've seen the second, Charlie's Angels, which was trash. I've seen... Um, indecent proposal, which was weird, and I wanted her to get with the billionaire. I was like, I was like, just leave, freaking, what was his name, Woody Harrelson behind, and go and like, be like, like, have you ever seen that movie? 
Um, they recently talked about it on an episode of Freedom that I listened to, so I know the plot now because I looked up the wiki page and yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's kind bonkers. of a gross plot. It's kind it's of a gross plot. Bonkers, like they so Robert Redford gave them a million dollars so she would sleep with him. Like she's married to Woody Harrelson, and Robert Redford paid them a million dollars to have sex with her for one night. Yeah, but they like start a relationship, and it's. And he's, like, really charming, like, so likable and so charming that I thought that the, the husband was really whiny and annoying. So I was like, dump the husband and go be with the billionaire who's charming, good-looking, like, you can't lose. <laughs> so anyway, and the other movie I've seen her in was Ghost. So mm, yeah. most of the movies I've seen her in, she's kind of like an emotional character, and that's fine. That if that's like your strengths, play to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind her in Now and Then. I think that's probably the role oh, that right. I liked she's her the best t- in. Yeah, yeah, she's in that one too. Mm-hmm. But playing a badass, hardened cop is not among Demi Moore's strengths. And the entire every time she came on the screen, I would roll my eyes because I can't I can't stand her. I think if they were going to remake this movie, that Jodie Foster would be Dominique Ducoco <laughs> with a better script. I totally agree with you. Yeah, definitely this, a better script I, for sure. This movie was written by a ninth grader who just watched a lot of crime dramas and wanted to make one. Like <laughs> yes. it was, it's not a good script, but and I. The thing is, to play off your point, the very first scene, the very first scene with Demi Moore when she walks into the crime scene and starts t- talking about, like, the, the thumbprint killer's M.O., I, I thought, oh, hey, now, this is going to be part crime-solving drama, little cat and mouse game. I'm into it. And then she pretty much killed that almost immediately uh, with her superfluous and uninteresting divorce storyline and her like dynamic with her boss was so annoying where she's like such a tough as nails detective that she can't be chained to a desk and the fact that she would be chained to a desk because she's getting divorced and her boss has to have like her hands in this weird personal situation is so dumb but then there's a scene where she's back at the crime scene and she walks up to the window and she's like, maybe these curtains are closed because the killer closed them. And I was like, and maybe the carpet is down because the killer installed carpet before he left. <laughs> like none of that, like her, her deductive reasoning was all just like, well, we know that the killer closed the curtains. So let's make her discover that the killer closed <laughs> the curtains. And, I, and it was just whatever cat and mouse game, whatever intrigue. I had when she very first came onto the scene was immediately squashed for me, you know? Yeah. She like was doing this thing where she's like, she's like, maybe you did something and you did this and blah, blah, blah. And she's like talking to herself as she's walking through there. And I was like, Demi, shut the fuck up. You are ruining this for me. Like, it was like so irritating and her monologuing, like it didn't reveal anything new or anything interesting or anything where you're like, oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. It was literally just her being like, there's a vacuum in that corner. And you're like, I can also see the vacuum in that corner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like I like also that the thumbprint killer is a serial killer. And she <sighs> says to the detective with her, I bet 
that the vacuum in this house doesn't have a vacuum bag. And I thought, well, if a detective is with you, he's probably read the case files and you're probably not like blowing his mind by telling him that. Yeah. And then, and then she opens it up and there's no vacuum bag. And he says the very, very captivating line, what if he killed somebody without a vacuum? And she says, he wouldn't. She really, she really has her hand on the pulse of serial killers. She I, really does. I don't know really. why her boss, uh, wanted to to keep her out of the fields because uh, nobody's going to solve crimes also her boss was the wife from communion interestingly enough was she yeah mm-hmm. yeah the blonde woman huh, i didn't even yeah i don't even <laughs> i didn't even like know i know you loved register at all i know you loved communion so you probably oh, have all so those much. memories very, I, yeah yeah i remember every single part of that movie <laughs> yep um oh also at the end yeah when, um when mr brooks is talking to her on the phone and he's like why are you a cop and she's like my dad always wanted a boy so i had to compensate my whole life which seems like such a tire story. like so you don't actually want to be a cop you don't you're not actually good at it you're just still like dealing with daddy issues that doesn't yeah i don't like that either i think that's... i didn't like that either and i also thought if that was going to be part of like her backstory that should have been introduced way earlier yeah like you know her dad I mean? her dad should have been daniel day lewis and he should have been like you're just a bastard in a basket <laughs> you know like making her feel bad about herself all the time i don't know that yeah but i i think you're right if the movie was totally, if it was a page one rewrite, mm-hmm. uh, Jodie Foster would have been a really good detective. I agree. Yeah, she would have been awesome. And yeah. so every time I watch this movie, I, first of all, almost always forget that Demi Moore's even in it because she <laughs> makes such, like, the her impression on me is so minimal and so, like, small that I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. Demi Moore's in this. Ugh. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's, it makes me feel bad because Dem, I think Demi Moore is a talented actress. Like, don't get me wrong. This is nothing about her acting style. It's just that character is just not her strength, you know? Well, the movie isn't very strong either. No, the, I, the I writing, agree with that. The writing is not very strong either. And so I think that you're right. Like the character and just the quality of the script yeah, yeah. is, is just not yeah 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 so um let's see what else um i need there's something i need to talk about and i can't wait any longer go for it i have to say it was he dating his daughter (laughs) (laughs) is it his baby is the married man she talked about having a relationship with him is that oh. a twist? Is oh she even God. really pregnant as well? He so is serial killing about, something you pass on like a genetic um, marker? I don't. I don't think it's genetic. No, I don't think psycho- <laughs> psychopathy is genetic. <laughs> um, he said she has like I have. She has what I have in a way that you would say when your child is born with red hair and you're a redhead. Like he acted like. <laughs> Her DNA sequence was has like a murder chromosome, but all that is secondary to the fact that I wasn't sure chromosome. if if that was his girlfriend. Were they dating, Lauren? Were they a couple? 
<laughs> okay, so let's talk about them. Let's talk about this weird, borderline incesty relationship between these two. First of all, it was disgusting and I loved it. Secondly, you loved it? <laughs> yes, it was I, disgusting and horrible and I loved it. We were talking, I was watching it with Mike and in the scene when she's in his office, he said, oh, I thought she was going to like grab his belt and like pull him towards her just then <laughs> because she's like... Their body language is that of a couple. Oh, yeah. So let's talk. Okay, let's talk about the first in time that you're introduced to um, Jane as her name. So Jane Wex is in his office and she says hi to him and she kisses him right on the mouth, which I really understand. weird. No, I understand adult children kiss their parents on the mouth, but this was not that. Do they? Yeah. Adult yeah. children kiss their parents on the mouth? Yeah, I don't. I think it's less. Um. I think it's more, I, I don't think like a, it tends to be a lot of like women that kiss their fathers. She comes in and she kisses him on the mouth, which again, um, you know, I know that adult children do that, but this was not that. And she is holding her arms around his neck for, for a prolonged like, period of time, for a very long period of time, which is like a, a pretty intimate embrace, I would say. And so he Girlfriend like embrace. Yeah. Right, he unhooks for her and he walks over and he sits down and she sits on his lap, which was also very weird. Not normal at and all. He takes off his glasses and she's like, Daddy, I just think that I need to take over the business. And like, you know, eventually, like, you're going to retire and I'll take over the business. <laughs> right, Daddy? Like, I was like, okay. So, and she puts um, his glasses on her. Right, she puts his glasses on her. And he's like, he's so like, he is I I don't know how to explain how I I view this situation uh no that's not I'm not trying I'm not wording it right uh, I think that he coddles her a lot because he allows her to do stuff like that that's like borderline inappropriate which makes me like I it doesn't strike me as the type of thing where there was like sexual abuse in the relationship or anything like that but it's obviously a like it's like an electric complex you know what an electric complex is yes it's like oedipus but for females yeah right so it's a big time like electric complex where she's you know she's like sitting on his lap and like and it's just it's stuff that a daughter does not do to their father like it's, I, it's just all like intimate and like weird and I liked it because of how bizarre and uncomfortable it made me that's why I liked it <laughs> I didn't think about the electric complex until you just mentioned it so that puts a slightly different tone on it for me and I don't know if I totally agree but I do think that that's a very smart observation and I can see it more but one of the reasons I thought that this movie seemed like it was written by a ninth grader is because there are so many ways you can show a father spoiling and coddling a daughter without making her seem like she's making sexual advances on her father. Big time. And so I think that it was just, it seems like it was made by somebody who was just like, oh yeah, this is normal behavior for a dad who spoils his daughter when they could just show that in so many other ways, you know, right. like... And then for the Electric Complex, which I didn't think of until just now, I would have kind of liked that angle if it had been stronger. Because right now right. it was like dancing on a line of like 
not strong enough for me to be an Electra complex, but if it was full on and you could tell that she was like, she had this like mental disorder. Right. And that would also explain more why she is become like, she takes on the family business of murdering. Right. Because his explanation didn't make sense, but well, I, I think, all- oh, sorry. I have, I have something to add, but go on. Well, I just think I like that idea. And if they had made the Electra complex thing a bigger theme, it would have been uncomfortable still, but I think it would have maybe been more, if also a stronger actress. I didn't really care for her yes, performance, but I also totally agree with that. So I think Jodie Foster in the detective role, a totally different script, Jodie Foster in the detective role, daughter, a stronger character who has an electric complex could have improved think Jennifer Lawrence would be perfect for that role. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. See so, that, right. Yeah. If that was stronger and even more awkward and not just like what is happening between them, then that could have elevated the movie as well. But what were you going to say? Well, I think if they had made it so she was like maybe in love with him, because that is a thing that does happen. Well, like that's the electric complex, right? Well, the electric complex is that she will marry her dad and kill her mom that would have been interesting i didn't i didn't know about the kill your mom thing because the movie made it seem like he was threatened by her maybe killing him someday but right. they never explored her being jealous of her mom and that would have been interesting yeah and they didn't yeah. so emma is the mom and first of all i love marge mar i don't know how to pronounce her name i think it's marge marge Helgen, helgenberger um i like her a lot i think she's great i love her in csi um she's probably one of my favorite characters in that show but I thought that sh- they did a great disservice for her for not having her have a bigger part in this movie. And you know, I was for- like, so just so there's more intimacy between the daughter and her dad than there is between the married couple who are supposedly in love with each other. Yeah. And I think that the movie could have been even stronger if the wife was suspicious of him in any way. But she was so... She was such an underused character who just yeah. sort of like floated through life and but and she was never suspicious of him. I mean, if you were married to a serial killer, there would be things that would be red flags. You may you wouldn't maybe assume that they were a serial killer, but you would start to see things after if you were married as long as they were married, you would start to notice things. Yeah. That, that would start to like set off warning bells and she was just so oblivious and her Yeah. And I thought that that was really weird because you're right. She's a pretty strong actress. And I think that her, she was underutilized. She could have had a bigger role and that would have been very interesting. Well, and also like, so for, okay. I, there's a couple things I have to say. The first being, um, I think you're right as far as like there being red flags, like she might not immediately be like, oh, serial killer. But like, for example, like the BTK killer um he would like to dress up in like women's clothing and like wear these like creepy masks and stuff and take pictures of himself tied up and I think that his wife had walked in on him a couple times doing that so like not obviously not saying it would be to that extent where he's like you know dressing up like a woman or whatever um but I I think you're right that there's like, there's just kind of this disconnect between Emma and whatever her family is doing. And it's like, and it'd be one thing if they had explained that, like she could have been addicted to 
prescription drugs or she could have been an alcoholic or she could have just been, you know, like not part of the story, then fine. But if you're going to have a strong actress like that um, and you're going to bring her into the story, especially like an actress who is known for being in shows about murder, you know, <laughs> like yeah, you, you're like not like there's just I'm just like okay, there's something missing here. Like, give me more Marge. Give me more Marge. You know, I would have really liked scenes because he like his excuses for when he would go out and murder people or stake out other murder suspects or murder future victims. Like when he was going around with Dane Cook, his excuse was that he was always in his like workshop or whatever. Right. And I would have really liked for a scene with her to like go to his workshop to surprise him and find him not there or yeah. like look in the little kiln that he burned the photos and see not the photos, but maybe fragments of paper and think like, that's weird. That shouldn't be there. And just sort of start seeing little things that just don't add up to the, the explanations he's giving her for what he's doing. Or maybe her asking him like, oh, you've been at your pottery studio for you know, three weeks every night, do you have any new work to show me or like being suspicious that he doesn't have any? And I would have liked that because she's, she was like, she didn't even need to be in the movie. They could have written, they could have said that the mother died, you know, years before. And it was just the father and the daughter for how unimportant she was. Yeah. And, and sorry, (laughs) I get excited. I'm excited about, yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this movie because I get to get out all my frustrations (laughs) and all my anger about this film in like a constructive way. And you'll also be able to come back at me and not be like, Lauren, can you stop talking during this movie? I'm trying to enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing is that like, if they had not had her part of the story, if they had not had him have a wife, that I think would almost make more sense as to why the daughter acts the way she does towards her father. Yeah. That would make a lot more sense. But to me, like, it seems like that's not something she would necessarily do around her mom, you know? And it's it's just very weird. And there's not, like, I mean, obviously the relationship between the daughter and the father, Jane and, and Earl, which, by the way, <laughs> like... Earl? Yeah. Is, like, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, Earl? Of all the names in the world, you choose Earl? Well, every time they said his name, I was like, oh, yeah, his name is Earl. Like, he, it doesn't What about Robert, him. Richard, Dan, Don, Thomas, <laughs> Timothy? Earl. Earl. Yeah, know, like, Earl is okay. You should maybe cut. No, I mean it is not a sexy name, but you should maybe cut that out because I'm feeling. But if you can't cut it out, like don't worry about it. Um, okay. no, he, I, he doesn't. The thing is, he doesn't look like an Earl, like at all. He looks yeah. like, like what well, you Earl said, is, a Tom, a, a Nick, or whatever. You know, like Earl is so old-fashioned. That's the thing. Like, I don't is. think there's many people named Earl that were born after you know 1935. Right, right. So, right. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very, like, it to me, it doesn't, like, I don't see the headlines being, like, Earl Brooks is the thumbprint killer. Like, Brooks is great. That's a mm-hmm. great name. But, like, Daniel Brooks. Perfect. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I just changed the entire plot. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I really, I felt that she was very underutilized and I was sad by that. And, um, but like, I don't know, it's just 
so there is something I wanted to say um, when he kills. Okay. So, oh, oh, this is what I want to say. I forgot. Okay. So one of the parts that bothered me and it's in the beginning is when they go out to have um, dessert, him and, and Emma. And he's like, she's talking about like a golden retriever. She wants like a dog or something. And he's watching this couple. And it, to me, like, I would be like, babe, what are you looking at? <laughs> I thought the same like, thing. I would be like, I'd keep like looking over like, sweetie, what are you doing? What, what are you staring at? Like, I kept expecting her to look, to look and say like, oh, a dance class or something. But yeah, she, she was, was just, just like so, so focused on the she dog. Was so clueless, right? Yeah. And he's really not even paying attention to her. So it's, and it seemed like, and for all intents and purposes, we have no idea what the kind of relationship they have, but it seems like it's, it's pretty healthy. It seems like it's a loving relationship, you know, like yeah. mm -hmm. there's no, there's nothing to say otherwise. So why would we assume that it wasn't anything other than a nice, good relationship? But yeah, he's like barely paying attention or watching this couple. And it had been one thing if she had been like, what are you looking at? And then he'd been like, I'm sorry, I'm just watching, you know. Um, like it's just, you know, I like watching people dance or something, you know what I mean? Like, or something like that. Like, oh, it's just nice watching these people dance, whatever. Or like but, the movement, like just movement can take yeah. your attention. Like, oh, there's a dance class happening up there right. and it's novel. <laughs> right, but yeah. there's like, it's just him staring and she's just like, and I like golden retrievers and poodles and <laughs> it's like all sorts of dogs. <laughs> yeah, it was bonkers I yeah I also so I like there are aspects of it that I I thought were creative just they were so buried and I I like the reason like I like how he fought the urge to kill he didn't want to do it but it was like overtaking him and so he contrived a reason to go spy on this couple that he wanted to kill and right. and I like the lie he told her so easily where he's like I didn't really like the dessert let's go get something sweet and I thought that that was an interesting an interesting aspect of right. the movie that he was constantly battling the urge to kill but he still liked it so he would con like find ways to it's just like any addict like they'd, right. they'd find you'd find ways to incorporate this addictive situation into your life in a way that you feel like, oh, well, it just sort of fell in my lap. I, I don't know. I don't know how, you know. And I, I, I happen to know that these couples like to make love with the windows. <laughs> yeah. Whatever curtains. I was going to ask. So I have, a, I have a question for you. Okay. And Mike raised this question and I thought it was pretty good and I, and I wanted to bring it up. So about the Marshall character played by William Hurt. Okay. So Marshall was basically a narrator. And do you think, this is Mike's question, is it better, is it better, is having Marshall better than having a narrator? What do you think about that? So, um, well, I don't really like narration. So there's that. Mm -hmm. um, I find that it's, it has to be, it has to be done in a specific way. It has to be done a certain way for me to enjoy it. Um, and there has to be very little narration. Like if you're going to narrate an entire movie, I'm not going to be into it. I just, I, it, it just annoys me. And it's, I think it's distracting. Um, 
I, I liked Marshall because I think it was an interesting way to, for the viewer to see Mr. Brooks, like innermost thoughts in a way that was like, you, you got to see this like other side of him who was like, you know, a little bit more like, let's just go murder everyone. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's go. So let's just go. And we're just going to murder. It's going to be super fun. You're going to have a great time. Let's do it. And so you're kind of like, yeah, <laughs> let's go murder. You know, you're like excited about it. And, um, and William Hurt, I think does a good, um, he's like a good comic relief without it being ridiculous or over the top, you know? So I, and I was actually, it's funny that you asked me this question. Cause I was actually thinking about like, would Marshall be a good aspect of the film if they remade it or whatever? And I think so. I think he's, I think maybe they could use him a little bit less, but I do like him as an aspect because I think that he, I think that he's, and he's just a good part of it. I think William Hurt's a good, a good aspect of it, you know? So what do you think? Yeah, I think um, William Hurt's performance was the best in the movie. Um, hands down for me, his performance was the best. I think if you're going to resort to a narration style, it was more creative to use Marshall. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of times where he stated the obvious in a way that like sort of sort of like put an atom bomb on any subtlety and i did not like that yeah. the loss of subtlety with a lot of his lines sort of bugged me so while it was creative i think like you said like cutting way down on the martial aspect but there were things that i kind of liked like when they would look at something they would tandem look at it because marshall is him and so i really liked their uniformity and yeah. Um there was one thing that I genuinely liked in the movie was when it was when they were watching Dane Cook's character cross the road and uh Mr. Brooks said to Marshall or Marshall said to Mr. one of them said to the other maybe he'll get hit by a car and we won't have to worry about it. Yeah, Marshall. And, and, then, <laughs> and then Dane Cook steps into the road and a car buzzes past him and Marshall and Mr. Brooks share this like laugh and this like, <laughs> yes. like gasp. And I thought that one tiny moment in the movie was perfect. Like the best part of the movie for me because they were in on this little joke about hoping he dies and then he yeah. almost gets hit and then they're just like so amused that it actually almost happened and the reaction and I think that that was an interesting connection and an yeah. interesting moment um and I do like I like like you said that we get to see like the Mr. Brooke like the murder side that makes him tick in that way but yeah I think there was a lot of loss of subtlety with him and and if they had just trimmed it it would have been maybe stronger yeah i think like i think a really good point to that is the scene where the cops come to talk to um jane and he's realizing that she's a lot like him and i like think that if Marshall hadn't necessarily been in that scene and it was more of an emotional scene from Mr. Brooks, I think that would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Especially if he had said like out loud, like she's becoming me, she's becoming me or something instead of having him be like, by the way, your daughter 
might also be a murderer and he's like yep, yeah i know <laughs> yeah right. there was just there was there was no mystery left you know it was all right. just yeah 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 so i yeah it, it's i don't know i so i have a okay so i have a note here <laughs> i said not to sound like a bundy girl and when i say bundy girl I'm obviously referring to Ted Bundy. Married with children. Oh, okay. No, no, no definitely. No, not that Bundy. Um, I'm referring to Ted Bundy, but I am not referring specifically to women that specifically like him. I'm talking about in general, like women that are in love with serial killers. So not to sound, but that's like my term for them, Bundy girls. So not to sound like a Bundy girl. But there's something about Kevin Costner as a serial killer that I was like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> because this was the first movie. Because I'd seen plenty of his movies before. This was the first movie where I was like, Kevin Costner is kind of hot. <laughs> Did you, was it, when, was it when he was doing Google searches on his computer and he couldn't just sit back and look? He had to put his eyes like right on the computer screen. <laughs> Was that what, what flipped no, the switch for you? <laughs> it was it, specifically mostly with the scenes with Dane Cook. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Where he was like extra murdery and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> extra murdery. <laughs> I, so, do, I do like... That's my true confession. <laughs> in that aspect, on a very like... Not necessarily in this movie, but something I do like in movies is like experts passing on expert knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I like that you get to see his um, technique when he's yeah. teaching. Like when he says to Dane Cook, I don't remember Dane Cook's name in the movie. Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. He says to well, Mr. Smith. Well, his real name is Mr. Baffert, but we'll just call oh, him yeah. Mr. Smith. Yeah. So when he says to Mr. Smith memorize that license plate and mr smith is like i got it. no he says he says write down that license plate number and mr smith's like no i got it and then he like drives up to the car and stops and it's very intense because the man that they're like casing is in the yeah. store and could see them and mr smith is like freaking out and and mr brooks is like what's the license plate number and, like proving a point like you're not going to remember this information under duress and and i thought that that was that's a cool aspect in movies, but there's yeah. a lot in this movie that I like. I, I didn't necessarily care for it in this movie in general, but I do like that he was sort of like teaching him how he does it. So that is a good way. Like that is like subtle teaching and I really like it. Like he's showing Mr. Smith, but he's really showing the audience. And I like mm -hmm. that. Me too. But yeah. all that, a lot of other things are lost with Marshall, you know? So I don't know right. why... They didn't give it the same treatment, you know, why Marshall was there when they were also so good at like showing us in yeah, a different see, that's, way. That's how I feel too, is that I think it's like, I think that they could have used, I think Marshall's great again, because William Hurt does a great job, but I think that he was, there was too much, there was too much Marshall and there shouldn't mm -hmm. have been. But I actually thought that um, as far as Dane Cook goes and what a goofball he kind of ended up turning out to be in like real life that he's actually one of the best parts of the movie and every time I watch that movie I'm like surprised at 
his performance. Like, I think he's pretty decent. So what did you think? Yeah, I thought, I thought his performance was good. I didn't have a problem with his performance. I, did you like his storyline? I don't know if I did or not, because I don't, I don't know. Like the trip and fall into becoming a murderer is kind of on the fence for me. Like he liked to photograph this couple who had sex with the curtains open all the time. So he happened to catch Mr. Brooks killing them. Right. And then he's trying to like blackmail Mr. Brooks with these photos. And, but, but not just blackmail, like he got a thrill when he saw Mr. Brooks kill these people. So he oh, big time. wants to kill with Mr. Brooks. And I, I thought, I guess I do think that's kind of an interesting aspect. Like, but I also, I don't know. I'm on the fence about if I liked his storyline or not, but I think it was a good catalyst for, like I said, showing us how Mr. Brooks works and, and how, um, angry mr smith kept getting because they kept pushing like we're not going to murder tonight we're not going to murder tonight we're not going to you know i thought that that was kind of interesting but um oh Uh, but i liked i did like sorry when he was sitting in the car and and they were watching the first guy that they thought like so mr brooks let mr smith pick the guy that they were gonna kill and I like huh. that they were sitting in the car of like the drugstore watching this guy and Mr. Smith has this like sort of youthful, gleeful anticipation where he's like watching the guy and he's like, you know what? This guy probably has plans for the future and he has no idea that he'll be dead. And I, I right. sort of did like that because I like how Mr. Smith is compartmentalizing the task at hand. Like he's at that point, you can sort of tell that the uh, the thought that he's taking a human life hasn't occurred to him it's just the excitement of being in control over somebody is is exciting right. to him and the gravity of what he's contemplating is being overshadowed by the excitement and i think that's really interesting because i think if in a situation where you did like slip and fall into wanting to murder somebody like he did i feel like that would be the case like you wouldn't you would never tell yourself I'm taking a human life because I think you would, you wouldn't do it. You would, you would just be like, this guy is mine. I'm the puppet master right now. And I think that that's interesting, like gleeful anticipation that he showed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think it's like what you said is that maybe the reality that he is going to actually take a life isn't really occurring to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I liked what he did. I liked his I liked how he he acted. I, you know, I thought he did a good job as far as the role goes, but what I really really want to talk about is the hangman subplot. So yes. Meeks, Meeks is his name. This is the most pointless subplot of any movie it's I have so ever convoluted. seen ever. It's so it's convoluted. So fucking stupid. First of all, okay. So <clears throat> So they kidnap Tracy, who's the cop, off the streets. And, like, I don't want her to be hurt or harmed, but I really don't care what happens to Tracy because I don't care about her character. I think she's boring. The ridic- and- there's something ridiculous is when they kidnap her, 
and take put her in the van they're in such a hurry they never close the van door and i thought (laughs) once you get her in the van you can close the door like you've already kidnapped her off the street and nobody is doing anything so just close the door but then they make it seem like they make it seem like they're being chased but nobody is chasing them no i know i know there is a scene so they kidnap her and she escapes there is a scene later where she's going to um, Mr. Smith's new apartment, which just happens to be in the same location that the hangman is in, because why wouldn't it be? Which is well, stupid. That Mr. Brooks work. did that. He man- Mr. Brooks manipulated that. Oh, he did. Remember, he told, he told Mr. Smith, like, while you were out, I took the liberty of, like, taking care of your apartment, and he put that, like... He implied that he left that crumpled paper with the address because later when he's talking oh, on the phone totally to Tracy, he's yeah. like, I gave you the the hangman, you know, like he. Oh, wow. I totally missed that. I can't believe still, how many times I've seen that movie. And that I is totally a good example that. of how convoluted the movie is. Like, <laughs> there's so much going on with this stupid storyline. I agree with you. The hangman is so dumb. It's like, so. First of all, I want to I, I don't want to talk about the dude that he killed quite yet because i have a lot to say about that too but the um so she goes to the apartment complex and the hangman's there and they (laughs) they they have i know what you're gonna say and i (laughs) i agree with you so stupid it's like it turns into a different movie lauren It turns into a different... It's a ninth grader. A ninth grader made this movie. <laughs> it's like... It's like an all-out shooting... <laughs> with uh, this, like, techno music playing. And it's like a like techno shootout. And all, <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's, like, all these strobe lights. <laughs> they're, like... They're, like throwing themselves across like the hallway to like shoot at each other like as they're shooting (laughs) in midair i was like what did i just watch an entirely different movie like it's it's yeah it's the dumbest thing and it makes like there's literally no reason for the hangman to be part of the story at all but that scene in particular yeah it it Honestly, like, that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't, like, I, I do, <laughs> I love this movie for reasons. A lot of them have to do with Kevin Costner. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, um, one of the biggest reasons I wouldn't say that it's, like, one of my all-time favorites or something is pretty much because of that scene. Because it's, it's so, so bad. Stupid. It's so it, bad. <laughs> it's, like... And then there's what? this ridiculous, it's like ridiculous melodrama. So the the hangman killer and his girlfriend fall down the stairs and they're yep. sitting at the, at the bottom of the stairs and Tracy looks down at them and the hangman shoots his girlfriend in the head and then shoots himself. Yep. So their whole pointless storyline ended in a pointless murder-suicide for yep. no reason other than... And Mike pointed this out. I didn't put it together. The, it was just a vehicle for her to have a bodyguard who would catch her at uh, Mr. Smith's apartment and accuse yeah. her of murdering her ex-husband. 
Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. could have done that in any other way. I agree with you. In that firefight, that shootout scene is so ridiculous. I think I said in the movie, like while I was watching it, is this a different movie all of a sudden? <laughs> what is happening? It reminded me of like a 1990s att- an attempt at making a Guy Ritchie movie, but failing miserably. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I know. It's it's so terrible and it's so stupid and it's unbelievable is what it is. And I don't mean unbelievable in a way where you're like, wow, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's like literally you cannot believe it because it's so fucking dumb <laughs> that you're like, what did I just watch with my own eyes? Like, yes. Yes. It's so bad. It's so dumb. So, okay. I do actually have the, speaking of the hangman, there's, I want to talk more about him. Sure. Right. Okay. So, um, anyway, that story, the storyline pisses me off because it's so pointless. There's like literally no reason to have it. If you can cut out an entire storyline from a movie and it doesn't affect the movie, it's not a good storyline. It's actually probably considered bad writing. So, yeah. There is one scene, and this is where I was going to reference David Fincher again. And you, might know what I'm talking about if I say so it's um a scene where Hawkins who's um Tracy Atwood Tracy's partner uh are going into this apartment to find a guy that knows the hangman and I cannot remember his name he's like and, a chiropractor or somebody or an optometrist yeah. or some yeah like the, <laughs> another example of just the convoluted storyline so unnecessary yeah. <laughs> right so this is a scene where you're thinking like, okay, this is going to be tense. This is going to be exciting. And I'm curious as to what you thought of it, because I've seen the scene many times and I have to tell you, the more I see it, the less impressed I am, but it, they, they're in there and then it like all these alarms go off. Right. And then they stop. And this like dude falls from the ceiling and he's strapped in a chair and it's like so it's like <laughs> it's like such a wet fart of a surprise <laughs> like it's that's a good like, way of saying it <laughs> right so the reason i want to compare it to david fincher is specifically the movie 7 and specifically the sloth scene in the movie 7 yeah so if anyone has seen this, the sloth scene is a scene where a bunch of cops go into this place and they're looking at this dude who you're like, that guy is definitely dead. Like, there's no way he's alive. He's like skin and bones. He's dead. And they're all standing over this. And like the chest bursting scene in Alien, all of a sudden this dude inhales this super raspy breath and it's fucking terrifying and everyone (laughs) flips out because they're not expecting it they're like they're like we're looking at a corpse and it turns out that this dude is alive and the scene with the hangman reminded me so much of that sloth scene because it was a very like similar vibe where it was like a dirty disgusting apartment it was messy but where's the sloth scene is putting you on edge the entire time and then it like startles you in the best possible way where you're like oh my god I had no idea that was coming like you're so startled by it this one 
was just like, oh, and then there's a dead body hanging from the ceiling. And that's it. And it's so bad. And it's so lame. And it really ticked me off because it's, it looks like it's supposed to be creepy. There, I mean, it's like a guy who's dead hanging from the ceiling in a chair. Like, it looks like it's supposed to be creepy. But it is so just, it's just, it just falls flat. It completely falls flat. What did you think of that scene? I I thought it was also ridiculous because I feel like the movie spent a lot of try a lot of time trying to create this persona around Tracy's character and detective work that she does like that she has this like um a mental disorder sort of focus and skill at solving crimes, but everything they're showing is as I've said before you can take it down. It just reminds me of like a 14-year-old who's writing a story about all the tropes of detective work and how this detective knows everything that's going on. And so her going in, like also the dirty apartment trope when done so, like so obviously not good. Like in, in Seven, no. the dirty apartment trope works. Like it, it, it's well done. It works. Right. And it makes sense because this guy is d- like has just been laying in a bed dying yes. for weeks or months or however long it's been so it's like what he wouldn't be getting up and cleaning because he's dying yeah you know? and the dirtiness adds to the creepiness as well right and exactly. so i feel like a lot of times when it's not done well the dirtiness is supposed to imply cre- like it's supposed to be scary because it's dirty but really it's scary and it's dirty makes for a better scene not it's dirty so it's scary and so right. I don't care for the dirty apartment trope in this regard. And when the alarms were going off, I was annoyed because the noise was so cacophonous. And I was so annoyed because the movie's not strong enough for me to feel tension at the alarms going right. off. The movie is too weak. So therefore, I'm just, I'm just rattled by the amount of noise and in my head during that scene I remember thinking oh okay so something is going to happen when the alarms go off because that's what kind of movie this is and that's another trope and so I was expecting like a bomb to go off or something ridiculous to happen that would put them in danger but instead the alarms go off and nothing happens for maybe like five seconds and I for enough time for me to think well that was a stupid plot line to have alarms go off and then the body falls from the ceiling but the body fell from the ceiling and their reaction to it was as such that they were in a tomb with a booby trap where there's a knife coming down from the ceiling and they have to jump out of the way or risk getting impaled like they acted like this body falling from the ceiling was going to kill them if they were standing in the way of it but really it just fell and it was sort of like penduluming like for a little bit while it stopped while it slowed down and then then you see that it's a dead body and like i should be shocked that there's a dead body but i'm not shocked because the rest of the scene was so grievously annoying and pointless yeah yeah that it it was i think you drawing the parallel between that and seven is is perfect i couldn't do better and yeah, it's just not good. It's another thing that they could just cut out entirely. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, like, okay, so it's kind of funny that you um, think that they be- reacted like it was going to kill them. What my impression of it is that they were, like, bored by seeing this. So they were like, <laughs> oh, 
it's just another hanging body. <laughs> like I was like, like to me, it seemed like they were like, ugh, this shit again. And it's just like, what? What do you mean this shit again? In a normal, in a normal movie where they're okay, is it normal to have more than one serial killer in one city? I mean, you're the expert. Tell me. I, I'm the expert. Um, well, let me tell you with my degree in psychology. <laughs> um criminology. Um, I think, yeah, I I mean I don't see why not it's it, there was I a lot of there was a lot of serial killer activity in like the 70s and 80s in um like the west coast area for some reason like california oregon and washington yeah but you're talking um, about the west coast i'm talking about yeah. this is a city well, I'm this just, is like I'm giving an example within a 10 mile radius it felt like in the movie there's more than one serial killer active at the same time I mean, I think I yeah, I think it's possible. Like, it's why would anyone stay people. living there? Like, why would if there were two serial killers on the loose in our city, I would be afraid to live here. If they were yeah, like, okay, you got to watch out for the hangman and the thumbprint killer, I would be like, so am I just supposed to stay at home all the time? Because there's and there's one tough as nails detective who's nobody else is concerned about them. No one else cares about it. No. Nope. And um. So I thought that was a, like another aspect of the hangman killer that was kind of ridiculous because it really takes the gravity away from Mr. Brooks when you're like, oh, well, this is just, that's just, it's just basically like the job market is thin in, in Oregon, so they have to become killers. Like right. That's, like it's, well, it's like, uh, it's, you know, like Gotham City. Like everyone is like, yeah. hey, yeah. yeah, I can't make enough money doing this, so let's <laughs> turn to crime because yeah we're like what about the batman what about the batman he can't stop me <laughs> it's so one not... guy running around in a bat suit <laughs> i'm fucking terrified come on <laughs> and i thought if this was a movie where they were trying to get that sort of um intensity or tone the dead body they, yeah like you said to your credit we never learned anything about that dead body. For all we know, they just left the apartment and left the body there because they were just like, he's not who we're looking for, so let's just leave him. Because normally in a movie like this, like the detective would be sitting at her desk drinking a cup of coffee after pulling an all-nighter, and somebody would walk up and throw a file down and be like, got an ID on the Vic in the, in the hangman's apartment. 36 years old, his name is Don. He's a used car salesman. We're not sure how he's attached to the hangman, but he went missing three days ago. His wife couldn't find him. She thought maybe he was just on a bender. You know, like that would that would be what would happen. But instead, like you said, they're just like, oh, here's a body. And then, then it just ended. Like it ended. Yeah. You know, no, you're right. They're, he's literally maybe in the entire movie for probably all of 10 seconds. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Never mentioned. You're right. And I actually didn't even think of that, but you were totally spot on with that, that usually they'd be like, oh, hey, so remember how you found that dead body? Yeah. Well, we did find some information about it. And she's like, I found a dead body. <laughs> yeah. When? I don't, I don't even remember that. Yeah. You know the guy that was hanging from the ceiling, the guy that was hanging from the ceiling. Can, you need to what do you have any more information about that I, I can't was this like a month ago I have a terrible memory <laughs> it's just like I was just reminded of something else that happened to the movie that I want to bring up because Mike brought up a really good point and it's okay so at the end when Mr. Brooks takes Mr. Smith to the cemetery and he has dug a grave because of course Mr. Brooks owns a cemetery because so, well first when he was driving him 
he said something like, we're going to go to a cemetery and find a grave. And I thought, it, they, they don't just leave graves open in cemeteries. <laughs> like, you're not just going to get lucky enough. But then you find out he owns the cemetery because there's just like this tongue in cheek moment where he's like, I learned a long time ago, you got to put your money in things that people need, cemeteries and water. And I thought, well, but then why is he a business? Like, he owns a business that has nothing to do with cemeteries or water. But yeah. he has this like sage wisdom about investing in cemeteries and water. And yeah. he's like, a multi-millionaire like yeah his house is enormous like yeah so anyway so they go up to this grave that is conveniently dug but he owns a cemetery so he dug it and he says and he's like laying out this real all these like intense rules to mr smith and he's like you're gonna kill me and i'm gonna stand at the edge of the grave and you're gonna shoot me and mike says why does he have to stand at the edge why can't he just lay down in the grave and mr smith can kill him when he's laying in the grave because that's a good point <laughs> mr brooks then kills mr smith in an epic twist and he yeah. falls next to the grave he doesn't yeah. even fall in the grave so the whole thing like the whole build-up a is pointless as mike pointed out he could have just laid in the grave and b didn't even work when he turned the tables because dane cook just fell on the ground yeah and like also there's like all this blood pouring out of it's dane gross Cook's that's wound. a gross scene yeah and i that's, <laughs> that's one of my favorite scenes <laughs> i I was really put off by like just the I don't it was gross but anyway <laughs> I I loved that scene I, I I love well we've talked about this before I love a great death scene I love that scene um I just I, I just love it like I love that like Mr. Smith is about to shoot him and he realizes that the you know the firing pin has like been pulled back or that is or whatever yeah that is an interesting like twist that tricked even me yeah uh, you know because actually, i also do like that they showed that mr smith was able to pull the trigger like i thought he right. was gonna chicken out but he didn't he was gonna no, do it was, so that was, was interesting full on like ready to kill mr brooks yeah mm -hmm. and then so mr brooks he just like has this look <laughs> he has this look on his face when mr smith starts realizing that um his gun is not gonna fire and it's just this like look like i've tricked you and i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh so, no <laughs> so, and then he kills him in an epic like you know throat slashing with a um a shovel type movement and it's just the whole scene i think it's just it's just a great scene i love that scene i will concede that it was interesting how when mr smith was dying mr brooks was like something you should know about me is that before i became the thumbprint killer i killed in a lot of different ways yeah I killed a so lot i think of that's an, in a lot of different ways yeah, yeah that's an interesting glimpse into the fact that like this is truly is just old hat for him oh yeah and no i mean it's yeah yeah for him it's i nothing. i do also want to talk about his daughter's pregnancy storyline and i have a well, few wait. things to say can i can i before you do that can i mention another uh, mr smith scene that i thought yeah yeah so um it's after mr smith goes to mr brooks and he says hey i have these pictures you know like like which I, I like the first thing I thought of is like, dude, you're playing with fire. Like you are not going to win this. Like you are playing with a guy who has murdered a whole bunch of people. I mean, obviously, 
Mr. Smith doesn't think the same way I do because if I had those pictures, I would have gone to the police and never had any sort of interaction with Mr. Brooks. But yeah, but, the logic in um, like in trying to manipulate a killer, somebody you just watched murder two people, is is faulty. Yeah, to begin and it's with. like you yeah. don't know. I mean, so you're seeing this guy who's one of the most highly respected businessmen in this in the city, um, and so he's clearly intelligent you know, he's got his shit together he's got a lot more advantages than you do because he's got money and he's got you know um what is that like more things at his disposal to make him resources like, right that's exactly the word <laughs> i was trying to think of resources yeah uh and it's okay that that's not what i want can i say, say one thing one sure. thing yeah the scene where he opens up the envelope with the photos could have been awesome if it wasn't overshadowed by the bonkers terribleness of him and his daughter interacting like the right. the weird scene we mentioned earlier is the same scene where he opens up the pictures in the envelope so yeah. there's like elements in this movie that could create a really cool movie they just don't like they just all fall flat because it's overshadowed by the fact that i'm wondering is that his girlfriend or his daughter or his daughter girlfriend but anyway girlfriend. so i yeah. like i like that creativity in a movie not necessarily this movie but him having to save face opening an envelope when he knows his goose is cooked you know yeah yeah anyway keep going well and i'm surprised that he didn't go like oh fuck or something like that because i would have not been able to hold it in well, he was like able to i do i do think that it it makes sense that he didn't because he has spent his whole life being like calm and collected. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. no, I agree. I think it makes sense too. Mm -hmm. I just think that like, yeah, like I it'd be interesting. Like, oh shit. <laughs> and then the daughter would be like, what is it daddy? Anyway, keep going. Okay. So Dane Cook, Mr. Smith. Is, so then there yeah. is a scene where Mr. Brooks breaks into Mr. Smith's home. And I thought that there was a very tense scene because mm -hmm. it's like, he's like, basically mr brooks is like if you fuck me over you like you'll be dead like i will kill you yeah and, like uh, i'm the puppet master in this situation yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like he's like in no uncertain terms if you fuck me over you will definitely die um and he proved that by being very stealthy and breaking into the home and so like it's all of a sudden it goes dark and quiet and mr smith is like mr brooks Mr. Brooks. Yeah. Like gets up and it's a very tense scene. And he walks around the apartment. I I did I agree. I, I thought and that he's was like cool. can't see him. There's no evidence of him being there. And the door still has a security lock on it. And it's yeah. like that was mm -hmm. good. But again, it's overshadowed by like what you said by a bunch of other crappy stuff. Like see, this is why I think I, I love the movie because I love certain aspects of it, but overall I do agree that it is not a great film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are moments, there are moments where I can see the vision and I mm -hmm. can think like in a in a different movie, I think you did you did this creatively. But yeah. 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 So let's <laughs> talk about the pregnancy of the daughter. Do you think she's really pregnant? well, okay, for wait forget ignore that i want to start one my first like my first order of business in this is this girl they have established she is in her first semester of her first year of college and she has been impregnated by a married man with a family mm -hmm. that seems bonkers to me like why did they have to so a 
is she actually pregnant is my question because I don't even know if she is pregnant. I don't believe it. I feel like it was just a story she made up to drop out of school and she was going to deal with the fact that she wasn't or maybe like fake a miscarriage or something or say she got an abortion, which she threatened. And B, why couldn't it just, why couldn't they just make it B, that the guy who impregnated her was another student who doesn't want anything to do with her because, you know, he's an 18-year-old boy. But like, Yeah, I didn't get that either. To make her also seem like somebody who is just an adult, like just 18 probably, who has been seduced by an older married man is also just another convoluted plot point that doesn't make need to be there. Right. Well, and it's something that you feel like will be mentioned later, but it's not. You know what I mean? It's enough where it's brought up and it's 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 so specific that you think it's going to be mentioned later, but it's never mentioned again. Yeah. And her parents don't seem concerned, really, that she was impregnated by a man with a family already. Like, that's yeah. so close to what I would consider, like, almost statutory rape. It's not because she's probably 18 because she's in college. But at the same time, I don't think somebody that young can be can just start going on a date with a married man unless he seduces her in a very like creepy manner you know well and or he's like one of her professors or something yeah and even still that's still like a creepy seduction because he has a family so that's like an element that is very very bizarre for this movie and it complicates things in a way that is unnecessary was he the one that got killed or was that a kid? That's that's another thing I was wondering because they said it was, I thought they said it was a student, but right. when Mr. Brooks like put on his ridiculous costumes, oh my gosh. Did you ever see the movie Hackers? No, no. There's a scene at the end of Hackers where the villain in the movie is in a plane and he's wearing a ridiculous disguise because he's trying to escape and he's wearing like a long wig with facial hair and it's it's not done for comedy, but it's really corny and mr brooks's getup when he's flying to the city where the college is in the plane is reminded me so much of that stupid uh (laughs) costume and i thought this is so dumb what is happening and i thought before i realized what happened i thought he was going there to kill the father of the child and and then no he was just we can talk about that but i i just i'm really bothered by the fact that they they made it so she got impregnated by like just like a total scumbag instead of just being like hey i'm in college and i'm experimenting and i'm on my own and i'm dating someone and we're sleeping together which is what most college kids do and i got pregnant why can't it just be that why does it have to be a married man seducing a like a very young girl uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. But also, it seems like the whole murder with where you're that they say that she murdered someone would have had something to do with the guy who impregnated her. But it seems almost totally arbitrary. Yeah, to she's dealing with like, and it would have been easy if they made him a student and then she killed the guy who impregnated her. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That would make a lot of sense, especially if he was like, "No, I don't care about you." And she's like, "Cool." So, um, I brought this axe. I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna bury it in your head. You know, like or something. Yeah, like that, because but. and that would also <laughs> establish a motive for this psychosis to come out. Because I would. I also find it hard to believe that an 18-year-old girl who is bent towards murder would be 
premeditated enough to kill someone random. It almost seems like she yeah. would slip up and kill somebody who made her really angry, like a Which man who impregnated sense, her. A crime of passion. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and so that's going back to the whole like father daughter, like borderline incest thing. I think that's why I like it because I think that it's such a, a show of her not being like neurotypical, you know, and also, and also like, you know, having inappropriate relationships with people, which would make sense if she was not, if she was, you know, um, had some sort of personality disorder. Uh, there's all sorts of, you know, different personality disorders where people have inappropriate relationships with other people because it's a, like they want attention or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm learning that in my psychology class. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it would be more believable if she was slightly more confident and sexy, but the girl, the woman that is playing the daughter is, is not... She's such a typical looking college student. She doesn't strike me as somebody who would seduce and murder. And that bothered yeah. me as well. Well, I just, I don't think Danielle Panabaker is very, a very strong actress as far as a role like that. Mm-hmm. I think that, I definitely think that that could have gone to a different actress and she would have, whoever they had chose would have done a, a better job because um, I, I like her. I think her storyline is really interesting. Um, but again, she's just kind of like, like the scenes where she's all like cuddling up with him. It seems like she should be a little bit more comfortable doing that. And it doesn't seem like she's that comfortable doing it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, but like, okay. So I do want to talk about the scene where they are, where she's like eating breakfast. And this do is, do you after think though? One second. Do you think she's really pregnant? Because I don't. Um, I think so. I think they allude to it enough in the movie that makes you kind of believe that it's true, you know, Um, where like he goes to when he kills Mr. Smith, he's like, I realize that or he's like, my daughter is pregnant and I realize that I really want to see how that's going to, you know, work out. Yeah, that's a line that stuck with me because I thought like he's going to be really shocked when he finds out she's not actually pregnant because yeah. I didn't believe anyway I just don't think she is but that's that's so yes okay the scene in the morning when she's eating breakfast right I think by the way I think it's totally possible that she could have not been pregnant but this movie it does not have a strong enough it's not strongly enough written for that yeah. to be uh, something that the audience should question. And you're right. That would have been a really interesting aspect. But again, it's it's not written well enough to make that a possibility. Yeah. So I think that mm-hmm. in this case, you kind of have to assume that she's, um, that she's pregnant. Just yeah. because of how the story is written. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. So, <laughs> okay. So she's eating breakfast and he is (laughs) I wrote this down because I was like how long has he just been standing there (laughs) staring at her like you see just his back so you know it's him (laughs) and he's I said how long was Mr. Brooks standing there and staring at Jane while she was eating breakfast um because he's just standing there and then she notices him so if she hadn't noticed him how long would have he just (laughs) right like she turns around and (laughs) 
and she's like oh i didn't see you there yeah <laughs> no yeah uh it's and bad. he's like borderline like it sounded like he was like almost asking her out he's like will you have lunch with me today and she's like mm, i don't know because i might have like morning sickness or that's another reason why i thought I have she to wasn't maybe gone really get pregnant or something <laughs> yeah know? like i didn't think she was really pregnant because she seemed so arbitrary about the morning sickness like because he said how's the morning sickness and she's like not as bad as it was yesterday and he said will you have lunch with me and she's like i might feel morning sickness again and i was like i guess you can use that as an excuse to get out of things but at the same time that's why i wondered if it was real or not she sort of like (laughs) turned it off and on yeah yeah i don't know so so she grabs his hand and kisses him on the mouth like and it's not just like a like (laughs) His head is like slightly turned down, so she actively seeks his <laughs> mouth to kiss him on the mouth. Like it's not like just like uh you know like like because what I personally would do because I do not have this relationship with my father, thank God, because I'm a normal, um, mentally healthy human being who does not have an ancestral relationship with their father because that's disgusting. And <laughs> I would like pat my dad on the shoulder. That would mm-hmm. be it. That'd be the extent of it. Mm-hmm. maybe a hug but there's really no reason to hug because we're not saying hello or goodbye you know we don't <laughs> yeah, just hug you're just, randomly you're, you're going from one room to another yeah like we don't, yeah <laughs> and she so she like actively seeks his mouth out to kiss him <laughs> and she's just like i don't know daddy if i can or not like whatever and <laughs> oh no he's leaving then this is the part where it's like he's a little like a little boy like a little middle school boy and he's kind of hiding behind like the wall a little bit you know like a little shy and he's like Jane do you love me she goes of course I do daddy <laughs> like it's so oh, it's bad and he leaves almost in this like giddy like way like he's like he she loves me <laughs> she checked yes on my note <laughs> It's so stupid because it's like, like Marshall has told him that Jane might try to kill him so she can take over the business. And so he's like afraid that she's going to kill him for like the second half of the movie. And it would have been so much better if she was like threatening toward the mom. Like, yeah, and that's, and that's what I'm saying about the mom is that there's such a lack like, there could have been so much more done with her, but mm-hmm. there wasn't. I mean, there was barely anything done with her. And then he could have nightmares that the daughter kills the mom or something. Instead of yeah. having a nightmare that the daughter, like, stabs him. There's the two things, two scenes of the daughter that really bothered me. The first scene was after she told them that she was pregnant. And she said, "Yeah, she said, I think I might get an abortion. And he's like, no, you'll not get an abortion. And she goes, daddy, it's my body. And I thought that seemed like like an after school special where they're like we just have to throw in a my body my choice message without any passion or without anything it's just she just says that line like instead of yes. being like dad you can't tell me what to do i'm a grown woman she's like daddy no it's my body you know that seemed like really lame she's like, like could dad no you are not gonna tell me what to do with my body okay yeah. i'm like well there's another scene where after in this dream sequence, which I didn't realize was a dream sequence at first, she stabs him in the neck with scissors and her face is so dead. And I realized that like as a killer, like if you have that psychosis, your reaction wouldn't be horror because you're, you know, you're obviously atypical brain functioning, but 
it wasn't that. It was like bad, like sleepy acting on her part. And she was kind of like, like the alien from Mac and me where she's just like looking at him and moving around in these like awkward, like facial expressions and not saying anything as she watches him die. And I thought, surely they could make her better than that, you know? <laughs> so this I've told you about this scene before we talked about this before um, I think that by far is probably my most favorite scene oh really is where she stabs him in the throat yeah I love wow. that scene I well I told you I like a great death scene that's a great death scene so which is not a real scene but so, okay maybe it's a great death scene but it's not a great killer scene for me I don't care for her performance at all so I actually liked her performance in that part. And the reason I liked it is because to me, she's like, okay, have you ever, have you seen Gone Girl? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Cause there is a scene in Gone Girl that totally always reminds me of that scene where Amy, who's the lead female, um, she kills Neil Patrick Harris's character and she like slits his throat and he's like on top of her. So the blood gets everywhere and she's sitting she like pushes him off of her and she's sitting in the bed and the way that she's sitting is like she's like grossed out by having to like have this blood on her and like touch things so she's very like she's like oh, oh, no mm -mm. you know like she's like but it's in and I thought that that like to me like it's very reflective of that scene where Jane stabs Mr. Brooks because she's kind of like no don't touch me don't mm -mm. no don't oh. touch me but the her taking his glasses and putting them on to me is the implication of like the king is dead and now I'm ruling the kingdom. Yeah, I get yeah. that. And I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So and I also one of the best parts about that scene is the song that they play. It's called Vicious Traditions. It's by the Veils and it is the most perfect song for that scene. I think it's so well done. I just, I love that scene. I think it's a great scene. Um, so again, there's bits and pieces about this movie that I really like. And, but yeah, that's my, that's like my favorite scene in that entire show, the entire movie, <laughs> as dark and fucked up as that is, but I never said I wasn't. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I have a painting of a woman beheading a guy on my wall. So you I mean, do, yeah. Like, so, you yeah. Know? <laughs> uh um yeah. yeah i i i don't know their relationship is just so bizarre and i liked that aspect though and i think i would have liked it definitely a lot more if it was a different actress and also the mom was more involved because i feel like there's so much more that they could have done with her and she's a great actress so it's like why not you know but it's yeah yeah. Lots of lots of missed opportunities. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really, I was annoyed because the score seemed so generic, like the musical bed. Um, not, I'm not talking about the, the song that you said, but I'm saying yeah. like just through the movie when the, the score would play, it just seems so generic. Like they, it was like they bought like a CD of like thriller movie music for you to use, you know? And I didn't care for that because there was nothing iconic about the actual score. I agree with that. Yeah. Totally. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, the score is different from the soundtrack, though, you know. 
But, yeah, I just didn't want you to yeah. think that I like right after no, you no, no, the right. song was great that I was like, by the way, the song sucked. I was talking about like the score. <laughs> so I just wanted to By the way, fun. that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do have to say that I really and I mentioned this a couple times in my notes that I didn't like the weird shaky camera thing. Like after he killed the couple, which kind of always makes me laugh the way he reacts after he kills the couple is he kind of does this thing where he like whirls around where he's like oh that felt so god (laughs) (laughs) there is a scene that made me laugh out loud when he when marshall was trying to when marshall was like prodding him to throw the photos he took away because he like posed the bodies and took photos and he's marshall's like prodding him to put the photos in the furnace and he like puts him in and he like groans like like he was like being stabbed or something and i <laughs> laughed out loud because i thought that was so ridiculous and i was like yeah. oh my gosh what yeah. am i watching <laughs> um so do you want to talk about the scene where i think this is the last scene we have to discuss um the scene where they kill the lawyer and the um oh gosh uh, tracy's um uh, Tracy's ex-husband. ex-husband yeah first of all I can't ever take that guy that actor seriously and I can never remember his name but I always call him Smith Jared because that's his character in Sex in the City <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and he's like he just like he's uh, an attractive dude like there's no you know oh Jason something it's Jason something I can't remember whatever apparently my cousin the one that knows Trablo has hung out with him a couple times so that's oh, cool. so he's still alive. He, yeah, he's the still scene alive. The movie yeah. wasn't real. Okay. He, yeah, no, the movie was not <laughs> real. Um, so their whole, their whole interaction, like between the the ex husband and the lawyer, was so awkward and like just like it was so done, like weirdly done and. And he's like trying to be all sexy and she's like, she's like, look at me. I took off my shirt. I'm so sexy. And I was just like, this is just weird. Like it was like, she like came in and she's like, make love to me, big boy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's not what happened, but it was, yeah. you get what I mean though. Like that was like the energy of it. And it, I feel it like it was stupid. just, a, it was so obvious to make them sleep together. Like, why yeah. can't she just be his lawyer? Why do right. they have to be sleeping together? Like, they could just be there having a little lawyer meeting and and he he gets to kill them both but instead of course they're sleeping together because no professional woman who's on the heel side is a professional she's always the sex object for the ex-husband you know that's just so tropey and then it's vulgar something that (laughs) yeah but something that really bothered me in that scene was that Dan Cook pissed himself yeah and then later when they were driving away from it mr brooks is like you there's piss on that apartment and they're gonna take a sample and i thought well surely you would have cleaned up the piss right number two mr brooks talked like he planned on mr smith pissing himself because he said they're gonna see your dna at the scene and i thought well you didn't know that he was gonna do that before the, the thing started like that just is a luck for you so you, it, he implied that he planned this whole thing around the fact that they were going to leave some like bio waste there. And it doesn't make sense to begin with because why would they leave a puddle? Because the thumbprint killer, Mr. Brooks's MO is that he poses the bodies. And so obviously they'd have time to clean the scene. So none of that made sense to me. 
but yeah, I don't. Okay, first of all, this is another example of why the writing is so weak because instead of having like I don't know the hangman scene or anything to do with the hangman, you could have had him in the you know seeing mr brooks cleaning out the apartment which did he hire people to do that oh he yeah you're right he hired okay he hired people to do that i was (laughs) like did this guy just do this all himself but he could have been in the apartment beforehand collecting evidence that he could have left at the scene that would further show that mr smith was actually guilty of this crime and i thought that I actually liked the aspect or the idea that um, if he had somehow had more access to Tracy in her life, that he could have left evidence that she had done it because they had suspected her of it. And I think it would have been way more interesting if at the end she's like, I'm in prison now because they think I'm the thumbprint killer, no matter how much I say I'm innocent, it doesn't matter because I cannot prove that I wasn't there, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that would have been really creative, but the movie like tripped all over itself trying to create this like Batman and the Joker or like cop versus criminal who are like always dancing around each other aspect between the two of them and that never panned out and it was never satisfying but I felt like that's what they were trying to do with the two of them right right and that's actually would have been very creative for him to frame her to get him off her trail because it does her off his trail yeah yeah because to me it doesn't really make sense to frame Mr. Smith you know also once more something that doesn't make sense was that you see this newspaper clipping where it's like Mr. Belford or whatever his real name is, Bafford suspected of being a thumbprint killer, but okay. Who kills the thumbprint killer? Like they have a body on their hands. They can't just like, and then at the end, like Mr. Brooks calls Tracy and is talking to her on like a burner phone that he stole. But so they can't just close like the newspaper made it seem like they were closing the book on the thumbprint killer but you have another body so and then i don't know i just i think the whole well, thing they is don't, such a mess the thing is i don't think that they ever found mr smith's body because there was another there was a oh um, yeah duh, that's, yeah there was a okay. coffin that was lowered on top yeah, of his thank body you. you're right that was so, the whole premise of the cemetery yeah okay yeah you're right right but okay. they would what they should have mentioned is okay so well first of all it unless he has a criminal record or has been to prison there's really no reason for them to figure out that he is the killer because he doesn't have the d unless he has a dna in the system mm-hmm. which they never mention mm-hmm. like you know, like yeah. I, like I have my fingerprints in the system because I worked at a bank and I had to. It was a legal reason. So if I was caught doing a crime and they found my fingerprints, then yes, they could connect me to that. But I, they don't have my DNA. They don't. Why would they? I've mm-hmm. never done anything wrong that that would need them to get my DNA. That sounds like I've done things wrong, but you know what I mean. Like, no, know? I know what you mean. Like how so, how did they get his DNA from like? Right. And if I was Mr. Smith, because it seems like they left the crime scene and they didn't clean up the pee. Right. Because they wouldn't just take random samples all over the floor in hopes that some pee was there. They, they, you know, so if you clean up the pee, how, like, why would they even 
have that DNA to compare to whatever DNA they seem to have on file, you know? Right. You know, I'm wondering, hold on. I'm going to look something up real quick. Just give me one second. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I just looked this up and it says, I asked Google if you can get DNA from urine. Okay. It does contain small amounts of DNA, but not nearly as much as blood or saliva. It also deteriorates more quickly in urine, making it difficult to extract and produce reliable test results. So mm. you're already shaky with the urine thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And again, unless there is a reference and it doesn't have to be a big one, it could just be like you see a picture of him in a newspaper where they talk about him being in prison. Like you can just allude to it, you know? Yeah. But if, again, if he doesn't have any DNA in the system already, to me, it doesn't seem like there'd be a reason to find him, but also they'd be like, this guy's on the run because we cannot find him. Yeah. So we don't know where he is. So it's like, it just doesn't make sense to me for Mr. Brooks to frame, and I'm putting this in quotations for those who cannot see me, frame Mr. Smith, because he does a very lazy job of it. First of all, he's totally relying on urine, which you had no idea that Mr. Smith was going to pee himself. Yeah. Um, you know, most adults have control of their bladder. <laughs> well, I actually, <laughs> you know, so. like, I kind of liked that aspect that finally the gravity of the situation sort of caught up with him. Yeah. And I believe that, like, when he said he had to, like, take a shit really bad i totally <laughs> believe that that would happen because i feel like that would happen to me i'd be like oh my gosh now all of a sudden i feel like i'm gonna go to the bathroom because i'm so nervous but oh yeah like to get you get, as far, yeah, you get the anxiety poops i do yeah too. yeah so, to get as far as actually peeing his pants seemed a little far-fetched but i i didn't mind that he mentioned having to go to the bathroom because that seemed of all the things in the movie the most believable aspect <laughs> right you know? right yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally, I, yeah, I agree. There, there is one other thing that I was thinking of before we um, finish up, but there is a scene where Tracy is talking to Mr. Smith and he's right outside the car and she's like, can I see some of those photos that you've taken? And I love his reaction because his I reaction agree. is like, he's like, he's He's like about to say yes, but then he's looking at the newspaper that Mr. Brooks let him and he's reading like, don't be stupid. And he's like, he just has this moment where like, you can tell that he's saying yes because of his body language, but he never actually says it. And he's just like, I have to go. And I thought that was a great scene. Just this like tormented, like, what do I say? You know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's good. I thought that that was a good scene. I agree. It's amazing acting on his part in that moment yeah. because there's a bunch of different emotions and thoughts that wash over his face and it's really well done. Yeah. But I do have to mention, I'm glad you brought it up, that stupid newspaper because it's not a secret message. <laughs> Anyone could pick up that newspaper and read the exact same message. They didn't like, they didn't even establish a code word. There wasn't even a code no. word. Like he, early on, he could have said, okay, the code word is 
Dow Jones Industrial. And then he gets the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones Industrial is circled. Could mean anything. But instead, it's like a 10-page note that's like just circled words that any, in order, in order. So anybody reading it, it's, he went through so much, Mr. Brooks went through so much unnecessary trouble to create this stupid message. (laughs) And then it never, it never came into play. She never saw it. She never, you know, like it, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I totally agree. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I was like, it's awfully convenient that he found a newspaper that said exactly what he needed to say. Like, yeah, how many order. headlines say, how many headlines say stupid in them? I mean, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a headline <laughs> that, that says too. stupid. So, yeah, no, you're, you're right. There's, um, so overall, I would say there needs to be more with the wife the Mm -hmm. daughter could be totally recasted and have a bigger part with like i would just i would like to see her have a scene here or there where you're like there's something shady about this bitch yeah instead of marshall just saying she's hiding something (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah and that being said had this been a better written movie you probably could have not included marshall at all Mm-hmm. and use like subtext and subtlety but they yeah. don't have that in this so right you know and I would have changed the um detective I would have Jodie Foster that's like the first my first thought every time is I'm like oh, yeah Jodie Foster like I'm I love Jodie Foster Me and too. I think she's a great actress I think she's very good at playing tough characters and she's very good at playing emotional characters and I just don't think Demi Moore has the range yeah for this role yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, get rid of the hangman and there's just a bunch of little things that you could clean up and fix. And I think this could be a potentially great movie, but <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's weak. There's it's, a lot of weak spots. Yeah. There's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot. It's, it's crazy. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah. So are you done talking about it? You want to talk yeah, about it? Is there anything I mean, else you want yeah. to talk about? You're all done? Okay. I think I'm satisfied with talking about this film. I've gotten everything out that I wanted to get out. Would you recommend it? (laughs) Yeah, I would. Actually, um, I think I would say with the caveat of like, you know, it's a fun movie. It's not the best, but it's Mm -hmm. fun. It has certain bits and pieces in it that I think are good. Um, I think that there needs to be a lot of reworking on certain things, but overall, yeah, I, I, th- I think I would recommend it. I mean, um, I have before, you know, so what, what about you? I don't think I would. I don't think it's fun enough for me to say, yeah, watch it. It's over the top. I think it's for me, it, it wasn't quite bad enough to be good, bad. Yeah. And it wasn't quite good enough to be good, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I didn't, I don't like, I don't feel like I was wasting my time watching it. I don't, you know, like it's, it was a fun discussion. So there's a very, it's very distinct from how I felt for like Holy Motors, for example. Like it's not that level. And if it was like, well, I think that's going to be the basis of like, we're yeah. like, was it Holy Motors bad yeah. or was it this? <laughs> like if, like if Mr. Brooks was on TV and I was flipping through the channels and I was like cleaning the house or doing something, 
I could see myself like leaving it on there so I could laugh at things or something, you know? Right. So it's not a hatred. I just, I, but I don't think I could ever tell somebody like, no, watch it. I wouldn't recommend it if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I remember something that Mike said while we were watching it and I want to tell you because I think you'll be amused. So when we were watching it, he said, I figured it out. I figured it out. So his daughter is actually his mistress and his <laughs> wife is like a second wife, but she doesn't realize that the daughter is posing to, as a daughter, but she's actually the mistress and the baby is his. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely big time wanted to talk about the ancestral relationship between those two because it's, it's whoever wrote that does not have a daughter and has never been, is not, is not a woman and has never had a daughter. I, you know, See, like, I know you don't like that aspect, but I actually like that aspect of it because it makes the story so much more uncomfortable. You know what I, I mean? Think I think, like you said, if the Electric Complex had been there and had been much stronger, I think it could have been creative. So I see yeah. what you're saying. I definitely, for me, not for me so much in the way it was, it actually was, but I understand where you're coming from for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, like, I, it's, it's not unheard of for women to have like obsessions with their father where they're like romantically attracted to them. Um but it's it's just not done in a way where you really see um you know Jane having these moments of like self-reflection or her being alone where it makes sense as to why she would be so obsessed with her father or why she would be like borderline flirtatious with him you know not even really borderline like full-on like flirtatious with him um and again, had this been a better written film, I think that they could have done that a lot better and they could have focused on, yeah. you know, her also having her own dark side to her, but they just don't. And yeah. that's part of the issue. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad that you said you didn't think Danielle Panabaker was that good either, because I felt that every time I watched a movie, I was like, this, she's not right for the role. No, she's not. She's right not. At all. Like there, it's like, you can't, it's like, I'm trying to think of like a really cute, see, it's like putting, it's like casting like Daisy Ridley in that role. Like she's so cute. You can't see her as that. She's a little precious <laughs> angel puff. Like she's not, you yeah. know. I also have a, yeah. I have a problem. I know that this happens. I know it does in real life, but in movies, I have a problem with adult women calling their father's daddy that really really puts me off and in it when it happens in real life it doesn't put me off because there's a lifelong relationship there that I can't argue with but in movies I don't there's not a lifelong relationship I mean it's it's she's a grown woman and she's calling him daddy and and the fact that that's a written line and not an earned line really makes me uncomfortable every time I see it in movies I don't like it because when it happens and like, I'm not, uh, I don't call my dad, daddy. I, I, I never have either. not once, not once. I've never called my dad, daddy. That's just not the relationship we have. But I can understand how some women would say that because that's the relationship they have, but I don't like it scripted because it's never believable to me when it's scripted. Right. Like I, when I was younger, I called my parents, um, mama and daddy, but as I've grown older, they're mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Now to me, 
to me, daddy has different connotations than oh, that. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. So when I use the term daddy, I am definitely not referring to my father. <laughs> yeah, I don't use it in that compact context either because that's I know. <laughs> weird to me. But it um, used to be weird to me too. And then I kind of just like, or I just like owned it. I was like, you know what? Whatever. So, yeah. So I just don't, I don't like it in movies um, across the board. I think it's, it's really strange. And I just, just say dad. Right. You know? Yeah. I, and, I agree. I yeah. Agree. But I, like, I, yeah, that's, that's it. Anyway. <laughs> no, I, I think it works again for that role because, um, she just has such a weird relationship with him that calling him daddy to me makes sense. But I agree with you. Like if it was a, a, like a healthy, like again, typical relationship, then I think that would be kind of weird. And yeah. dad would be more appropriate. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, um, there was this, I have a, just a cute little story is <laughs> like, just to let you know <laughs> or tell you, um, when my sister came back from Japan and, and Taiwan and she'd been gone for like years, she was talking to my dad and she was like, no, 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 daddy. And I was like noticing it after a while. And I'm like, are you calling him daddy? And she's like, yeah, I missed him. It, was, oh, it wasn't like, that's really sweet. Though. It was really cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's like different, but you know, that's what I mean. Like in real yeah. life, I don't, Right. I don't find it weird when I hear it in real life because right. that's a, a real relationship. And I don't, so I, I don't think that that's weird, but in movies, the, the movie is never strong enough to right. compensate for, for that. And it's maybe other people don't feel that way, but for me, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I can understand. And, mm -hmm. you know, as I've said, I think it works in this film, but I totally, I get what you mean. Mm -hmm. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> deep breath. That was quite a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> you feel satisfied from our discussion about this? Yes. Film? I feel this movie was so crazy. So <laughs> I've been waiting for months <laughs> to, re to review this movie because Again, I have a lot of strong feelings about it and I need an, I absolutely need an audience to hear out all of my opinions clearly. So, um, that's why I do this. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I like to hear myself talk. It's just one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we are on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on Google play. If you want to message us or follow us on Instagram, we're watchers of movies, same with Facebook. Um, if you want to send us an email, we're watchers of movies at gmail.com. And Hey, if you want to tell us your opinions about Mr. Brooks and, um, you know, we would love to hear from you as, as we say this every time and we mean it every time we would love to hear your opinions. So if you got them, share them, please. And we'll, re and I'll, you know, I'm, I am responsible for the social media stuff. So I'll respond back and I always show Sam too. So, and, uh, also, we have a website, and that's Watchers of Movies uh, Weebly com, and we also have another Instagram called the Watchers Who Find Things, where I just post occasional memes about movies. I kind of haven't done it in a while. I'm a busy girl, sorry, 
but you know, what a busy woman trying to say woman now, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, thanks so much to Mike for our theme music. Yeah, find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And if you would like us to cover a movie, if you have a request, please head over to iTunes, give us five stars, put in a review the movie you'd like us to, to talk about. And you don't have to write a long review. You can just put the title of the movie if you feel like you don't want to be a wordsmith or, you know, say whatever you want, but five stars. And we will shoot that one to the top and that will take priority. If you don't have access to iTunes or that's not something you feel like doing, you can always send us a, a request another way and we will add it to the list. It just won't be prioritized. So head on over there and give us five stars, please. Yes, it helps give us, us get out there. Because yeah. it helps you and it helps us get out there. So, yep. <laughs> so anyway anyway i think we're done talking yeah finally no <laughs> we're, we're done exhausting ourselves yeah my face hurts from smiling <laughs> <laughs> okay bye-bye bye-bye